Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before we get started with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. On Thursday, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt commuted the death sentence of Julius Jones to life in prison without the possibility of parole amid protests and a last-minute court appeal that argued the state's execution process amounted to, quote, cruel and unusual punishment. Jones's supporters staged days of protests in advance of his scheduled execution, which was to take place at 5 p.m. Thursday at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister. Jones has maintained his innocence for more than two decades in the 1999 murder of Paul Howell, a businessman in the affluent Oklahoma City suburb of Edmond. On Wednesday, students at high schools across Oklahoma City walked out of their classes in support of Jones's appeal. Prayer vigils were held at the state capitol, and barricades were erected outside the governor's mansion. Celebrities pleaded his case on Twitter and other social media. Attorneys for Jones filed a motion Thursday seeking an injunction to halt his execution based on, quote, important new evidence from the October 28th execution of inmate John Grant, who vomited and convulsed repeatedly before being declared dead. The motion argued Grant's execution provides, quote, compelling evidence that the execution process in Oklahoma and the use of midazolam, a controversial drug, quote, pose a serious and substantial risk of suffering and pain to prisoners, end quote. In the moments after the announcement, supporters gathered outside the Oklahoma State Penitentiary rejoiced, and clergymen led the group in prayer and song. Protesters outside the governor's office at the state capitol also celebrated the decision. Jones's mother, Madeline Davis Jones, spoke to a group of about 300 people who gathered Wednesday at the Capitol outside Stitt's office, chanting and singing hymns. Quote, I don't want to go to a lynching, she said. Why would I want to see someone hang? We should be through with that. Do you want your baby, your child, to be hanged? End quote. This week, we continue to talk to our guests about prison phone industry giant Global Tell Link and its attempts to whitewash its image by donating money to Sesame Street. Recent grassroots activism from incarcerated people and advocates have led to a wave of legislation mandating reduced costs or even free phone calls in some cities and states. Unfortunately, Tennessee is not one of those states. Now, we speak with Drew Morgan, comedian, writer, and actor, about the cost of keeping in touch with his brother, who's incarcerated in Tennessee. Here he is. Uh, my name is Drew Morgan. I'm a stand-up comedian and, and writer. I live in Los Angeles. I'm from Tennessee, which is where my brother is incarcerated and where I grew up. I'm a big fan of Sesame Street and not a big fan of what's currently going on. I think it's sinister. And I mean that in the truest sense of that word. What lobbyists on the industrial prison side of things are doing and some of the PR moves they're doing, it's truly harrowing. I heard about it on Twitter and I looked into it and saw what was going on. And at first I was like, I could see how somebody at Sesame Street would be fooled by this. And then I, and then I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, for like a day or two, like 
these are some of the savviest people. They, they they have people that work for them and people that they work with whose job it is to suss out stuff like this. And Twitter has pointed it out to them at this point. And then I got really sad because I realized, yeah, but they're getting a bunch of money for it. And that's what this is about. Yeah. yeah. And I got frustrated with myself, honestly, about getting sad because it was like, I know better than to have any faith in any corporation especially when that size but here i am upset you know it's like it was like elmo did this to me you know it's like big birds breaking my heart but um you know that's not that's not what this is this is a company Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i feel the same way it was something that we grew up with and that feels really wholesome and personal as a artist and a comedian what what kind of interventions like you think can can come out of this dystopian nightmare situation like do you find any dark inspiration from that at all uh there's i find dark inspiration everywhere it's sort of my brand of humor for better or for worse mostly worse financially but i don't find a lot of solace or hope in the way things are structured currently in this country uh because we put profits over people every step of the way i genuinely believe that someone or some groups at sesame street had the realization that a lot of kids have incarcerated parents and someone needs to help them cope with that and then the way our society is structured by the time we come out the other side from i mean i genuinely believe this that that idea started as a positive thing a genuine concern someone at that company has who worked to work at that company because they love kids and they have a childhood development degree and they are concerned about the world and here was a place what better place than sesame street and by the time it went up the food chain and back down uh at that company and they started seeking out ways to get it done a very very powerful player in the prison industrial world offered to foot the bill and once that offer was made uh it's over it's analogous to in my opinion the way a lot of nonprofits are currently working unfortunately and it's bleak it's bleak i'm not sure if it should be any more bleak than the fact that um, private prisons are not feeding prisoners, but it feels more bleak that Sesame Street is helping someone essentially run PR. And I guess it goes back to what I was saying. It, it shouldn't feel any worse than that. The idea that companies can do evil or do bad or help someone do bad should be depressing across the board. But it does feel extra depressing knowing that Sesame Street is ostensibly or was ostensibly founded from a place of loving children and helping children. So I guess that's one of the harder parts of it on a human level is I genuinely believe this started out as a project with good intentions because kids do need help learning how to cope with reality, with the reality of a parent being incarcerated. And Sesame Street is in a unique position to help that along to, I don't want to say normalize it because I don't think we should make it normal, but maybe get rid of some of the shame and make kids who are in that situation feel like 
they have other kids like them that they can relate to. And for it to be corporatized like this, it, it, it just hurts a part of your soul. For sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about your brother and um, what it's like to try to keep in touch with him when he's in prison in Tennessee? Sure. Um, my brother's incarcerated in Tennessee. At this point, he has been in six institutions, three of which are private. If I'm doing my math and my memory's working this morning, um, at all of them, GTL, that recording, um, that sweet sounding young lady has been who I hear when he calls. Uh, so whether it's private or a public institution, GTL is who has the contract. I don't know if that's true for the entire state of Tennessee, but you know, we're six out of, I want to say nine or 10 for males at this point. So I think I got a pretty good idea that that's how that contract's working. Um, I have to put money on a card in advance, uh, 25, 50, a hundred dollars at a time. And then it costs so much to connect me right off the top. Like the first phone call is like $4, no matter how long it is or something like that, which I don't understand why they don't just say anyway. Then after that, there's a connection cost and it's so much per minute. And I don't know what it is. I don't keep up with it. Um, For me being out here, you know, I, I talk to a lot of my family on the phone more than I see them. So the main way it affects his and I relationship is I can't call him back. There's no mechanism to do that in any prison uh, that I know of in America. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um, no matter how much I pay GTL collects money uh, feeding off my desire to have a relationship with my brother. Um, it does so by charging me basically to have a connection with him. Um it's a one-way thing. Like I said, when he doesn't call for a while, I, I worry like anyone else. And then I call mama to see if she's heard from him. Sometimes she has, and sometimes she has not. My mom, on the other hand, has a lot more on her plate. My brother has three children, two boys, 16 and 14. Uh, my brother went in when they were nine and seven, maybe 10 and eight, depending on when the trial fell. Well, that's kind of a blur. Then he has an eight-year-old daughter that my mother has shared custody of with my niece's other grandparents. The way GTL works, you can set it up to where it rings on more than one phone. So when my brother calls, it calls on the mother of his two boys' phone and my mom's phone. And essentially the deal is whichever one of them is with the kids will answer uh, obviously there's times where neither of them are with the kids or one's with one kid and the other's with the other two, how she balances that emotionally and logistically. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, my brother and his ex-wife, as far as this kind of thing goes, have a de- decent relationship, but obviously it's tough. Uh, my mother probably spends, uh, close to 200 a month. Uh, between three kids, herself, my father, and his ex-wife. Um, my brother's sentence is long. I mean, you just do the math. That's over $2,000 a year. Uh, when I tweeted about it, which is why, you know, you and I got together to have this conversation, uh, I think I said over 10000 But then I redid the math, and it's much more than that at this point. 
Um, I don't know a lot about telecommunications, but I know what my cell phone bill is. I have unlimited data. I travel for work. I download Netflix movies before I get on the plane. Um, I watch them on the plane, hour and a half HD, right there in the palm of my hand. I tweet out to my dozens of fans. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's at least 20,000. Uh, they tweet back to me in real time. The way you and I connected. Um, the way we're doing this right now. You add up what that cost me. It's not even close. And we're talking about unlimited data. I am almost afraid to look into GTL's books because I'm like afraid to find out how much money they make. But you can get a sense of it when they are able to foot the bill for this entire Sesame Street project. I know a little bit about show business because I'm in it. I've sold TV shows. I've never gotten to make one. I know what the budgets for those things are. And I think anyone familiar at all with like being a fan of TV shows knows what they call Hollywood math, Hollywood accounting. They're making almost unfathomable amounts of money off of people's desire and need to have a connection with their family. In my particular case, a son, an ex-husband, and a father, and a brother. And to think about an eight-year-old girl who's never ever seen her father outside of prison, and my mother knowing that and trying desperately to keep that relationship going since my brother wants to, you know, the fact that he wants to be involved. And what I guess a lot of people who don't go through this don't think about is every family has issues. And when you've got kids who a parent is incarcerated, there's going to be probably extra issues, emergencies, painful things, scares, whether it be someone getting in trouble, someone getting hurt, whatever it is. And GTL is the, the lifeline. It's the only way to connect other than a letter that takes forever. And um, for them to not only exploit that for obscene amounts of profit, but to now try to pro make propaganda. That's what's about to happen with this Sesame Street thing. To pretend like they're some sort of um, hero company, some sort of woke company. Pardon my language, it's disgusting. As America reckons with its problems on social media and Facebook and, you know, Twitter and all that, you know, these hypocrisies come to light. We see it in like big cases, like Nike pays Colin Kaepernick to be a spokesman, but they have slave labor making their shoes and stuff. Plus Nike could just tell the NFL, put him in there or we'll f pull out. And the NFL would probably have no choice that you can't, you can't make it, but they won't do that. This is an example of that that's, in my opinion, a little bit more sinister because um, here's a company that's trying to control the narrative before the narrative even really hits the zeitgeist. I am involved in a lot of prison reform type groups, and most people are talking about um, how prison, the prison industrial complex and its lobbying arm 
are getting prisons built on states dimes and not paying taxes and not actually bringing jobs. And those are very important issues. I'm only raising it right now to say this particular one, the phone call thing, it's way down on the list. So the fact that they're jumping out ahead of it, I mean, it just, it just disgusts me um, at them and at the state of things. I don't have a lot of positive views about it. And I don't really remember what your question was. I think you're asking me about my family. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Thank you. With your nieces and nephews, like you said, like you imagine that there are people in Sesame Street who really do care and who really do see the positive role that they can play in kids' lives in, in this way, which is becoming more and more of a shared experience for young people in this country. But with your nieces and nephews, like, do you, do they love Sesame Street? And do you think that someday, or it maybe you already have had conversations with them about these complexities? I have conversations with the oldest one about the complex, I don't know, the complexities of the world. Uh, I'm so proud of him. He's so smart and he's so sarcastic and uh contrarian and i love engaging with him about all of this stuff when i say all of this stuff i mean the complexities of the world it is frankly difficult to engage with him about things as it relates to his father it's gotten easy i shouldn't say maybe it's difficult for me honestly because it's gotten easier lately and um i've enjoyed talking to him about how his father ended up in the position that he's in, which parts of that were institutional and societal and which parts of that were his father's bad decisions. And um, that's why this type of thing is so important, whatever it is. I'm not saying Sesame Street should be out here teaching kids about drugs, but they should be out here. You know, someone should be out here teaching kids about the realities of the world. And, and some of that will include for the children of incarcerated parents how to cope with this stuff to the first part of your question. Are they fans of Sesame street? The oldest two, not in a long time. The younger one was in the Elmo for a little while, but frankly, now she's way more into TikTok and Cardi B and a lot of other stuff that is very not Sesame street. And I feel like Sesame street is such a huge brand. The bigger thing is that this is going to make its way into schools I fear, and it's going to make its way in the programs. It's going to make its way into uh, the lives of overworked social workers, you know, who need resources, who need help with stuff like this. Sesame Street's, to me, biggest um, attribute is here is a standard way to teach kids that's fun. You know, you can just download it or pay a little price or whatever. And now, your kid is engaged in learning about the alphabet. That's important. And again, I guess that's why it's so depressing. I kind of go back to, I mean, we're talking about education and prisons. At the heart of this, what we're talking about is places where profits should not be unequivocally the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I do talk with the oldest one about stuff like that. I do talk and I, and I try to engage the middle one with that too. He's not quite ready. I don't think Mm -hmm. as far as their relationship to Sesame street, I think for them, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while since they've engaged with that and they would be ready with something a little bit more, um, well, adult or growing up. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like you said, I mean, the profit motive for the decision makers of Sesame Street is what's driving this relationship and this partnership, if you can call it that, with GTL. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because, like I said, I feel silly saying this, but I guess we're a lot of us are just like, oh, we trusted you, which is sort of what their brand is. In a way, it's sort of what their whole thing is, is you trust me with your kids. And I don't anymore. You know, it's it's like you can boycott stuff out of principle and I would and I will boycott Sesame Street out of principle when I have my own kids. Uh, but like also, I don't trust them anymore as a company. It's and again, I believe there are people who work there, artists, as you referenced and writers and just great people who work there who want to help kids. But like the company clearly has gone rotten. And I say clearly not just because they did this, which was bad enough. They, they, it's still on schedule as far as I know, in spite of people kind of pointing out like, hey, you're saying you're going to make this special for the children of incarcerated kids, but you're partnering with one of the most, you know, they're so, they exploit people's fear, pain, and desire to have a connection with their family. You absolutely cannot help children when you partner with the people who are hurting the children. And that's frankly so basic I probably learned it on Sesame Street. That is such a basic tenet of being a human being that you can't help a group in need by partnering with the people who are them over. And how Sesame Street itself missed that lesson, I was going to say is beyond me, but it's not. They have people at the top who went to business school, who are trained in the in the ways of making profit and making the books match, et cetera, et cetera. And they do have PR people, but the PR people are only obsessed with how it looks. And no one's clearly no one there, at least not high enough up is going, what about just what we stand for as a company? And, and maybe we're all naive to think companies stand for anything other than making money anymore. Or maybe they never did. I think that's a good point. Can you talk a little bit about the um, process of writing letters to your brother? Is that like a alternative to GTL that has worked for your relationship? And, or is that for me personally or my whole family? Um, both. Mm-hmm. For me personally, writing my brother has been frankly difficult. And there are times where I feel, I guess, shame for not writing him more. And other times where I'm like, nope, it's just not where I'm at with it. It's, Letters are so intimate. They're one-sided, and I'm not much for small talk, period, much less in written form. Um, It's not an alternative because of time. It's not an alternative because it's one-sided. You know, pen pals were a thing we did when we were younger. I don't know if kids still do that. They probably just tweeted each other. But that's that's a cool thing, but it's not. It's not a relationship with a brother. Now, to be fair, talking on the phone with somebody is not a relationship with a brother. It's not a standard one or a, or a typical one. But no, it's not a substitute. <clears throat> it is a thing you can do. It is a thing that can be helpful. I've written him a few letters uh, where I felt like I had something long to say to him that maybe I wanted it to be one-sided. But it's not a substitute for me. As for my family... No, writing letters is not a substitute for an eight-year-old, and it's not a substitute for a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old, especially when these are kids who 
well, like I just alluded to, they're growing up in a different time. They don't really write letters. I, that, you know, that's, that's, that sounds like someone asking me if I, if I sent a telegraph. They genuinely don't have any cultural connection to that. And they can try, but there's problems with that, too. Uh, you know someone's going to be reading it. That's difficult. You, you know, then you got the choice as a parent to tell the 14-year-old that versus not. You get it back. You can tell it's been opened. You can tell that what your father wrote to you was read by a stranger. I guess that exists with the phone call. You know it's being monitored, but there's not as much evidence of it there, for one. For two, there's no day-to-day. And then, like I was alluding to earlier, with letters, there's no, like, hey, I got my first heartbreak. And I'd like to know if that ever happened to you, Dad, and, and how'd you deal with it? You can write that letter. It would take it, I mean, right now, especially with the pandemic, two weeks, and then two weeks to get one back. That's assuming he's got paper and pen at that time and it hasn't been taken because his whole quad's on lockdown or whatever. It's just it's just really difficult. And it's prison. Prison is difficult. But GTL makes it profoundly more difficult on families financially, emotionally, strictly for the reason of making profit. And it's truly, truly obscene and unnecessary in the day and age that we live in. The notion that this cannot be done without them or at less of a profit, that, that's offensive to my common sense. I know better. I know what my cell phone bill is, and I'm streaming freaking live sports. You're charging me what I pay a month to Netflix to get borderline unlimited entertainment in high definition for a five-minute phone call. It's a phone. It's a landline. Right. It's definitely not about the service that they're providing at all. It's about their ability to just do it. Yeah. And Sesame Street is running cover for them now. That is what the result of this is in the big picture. That is why GTL wanted to do this in the first place. Sesame Street's brand as wholesome, good for kids, good for families is so strong that GTL is using it as cover. Mm -hmm. And taking the heart out of it, I cannot believe that Sesame Street's business people didn't see that and recognize it as a potential problem. Mm -hmm. I can only think of two things. One, they're just they just didn't look into it deeply enough. Or two, they recognize that people who are incarcerated are low enough down on our culture's totem pole, and that includes their families, that who gives, you know, the Sesame Street brand will be fine just because a bunch of criminals and their families are mad at us. And uh, I hope it's not that. I think a lot of people don't care about prisoners or their families. It just doesn't bother them what's happening to an eight-year-old when her grandma is doing end-of-the-month math to decide whether or not she can speak with her father right now. What that does to the kid, what that does to the grandmother, or what that does to the incarcerated individual. Uh, I just don't think people care enough, and that makes me sad. But then you got folks who do care, folks like you, and thank you for doing this podcast and being involved in this work. We are up against a different problem, which is that business is seen 
almost as our religion. Sesame Street saw this as an opportunity to partner with someone in the industry who's also going to help us put the bill because all of the things we are talking about, exploiting people's pain for profit, that's normal. That That's just how that's standard operating procedure. So I almost get how someone who went to business school was like, what? Yeah, they're charging for service and there's no more thought. Well, they're charging the amount people are willing to pay and there's no more thought. And again, ironically, not seeing how that creates a horrible society and how you're being selfish and how it's creating a, a place that's not good for anybody to live in. You missed something on Sesame Street. We were supposed to learn that when we were four. This has been KiteLine. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening.